a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. My name is Mike Wendland. I'm joined by Gage Bridgeford. Today is we're in full off-season mode here on, on Pack-A-Day. There's a lot of names going out there. Packers made a couple of cuts. Andy talked about that going forward on the, on the YouTube page, and I'm sure that's been a big discussion of Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey. But with those guys gone, there's a lot of moves the Packers could make in that similar vein where there's a lot of bargain-bin free agents to look at. And we've heard a lot of the, of the bigger names, Richard Sherman, obviously J.J. Watt, which we will not talk about today, but there are some at least smaller names, and Gage, we spent quite a bit of time going through over the cap and sport track trying to find some of these names, and there's some fascinating players out there that could really fit in Green Bay. There are. There's uh, there's a lot of the higher-priced guys. Like This free agent class isn't outstanding by any stretch of the imagination, and there are some guys that are going to get paid very handsomely uh, this offseason, rightfully so, but for the most part... There are, but if you keep look, like if you look closely, there are generally at every position there's a guy or two that Green Bay should at least go kick the tires on and just say, hey, you want to come play with Aaron Rodgers and have a shot at winning a ring before you retire? Because that's what you have here uh, in Green Bay with this team and how well they're put together. That's that's a legitimate uh, possibility. There is Green Bay is one of the few teams that can honestly pitch and say, yep, you have a shot at winning a ring here. All you got to do is come play your best, and we'll make sure we'll do the rest. For sure. So that's going to be the topic we're going to discuss today. We're going to have ten names we're going to bring up that were on other teams in 2020 that could come in for a fair, a pretty cheap price, and hopefully help out this this Packer team if they want to look at them. That means we will not be discussing former Packers who played on the team last year. That's a discussion for another day for guys like Lane Taylor, Montrevious Adams, and so on and so forth. So. That being said, we'll just jump right in again. Uh, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. We'll start at the running back position because that's been the one that's been kind of all the talk with obviously Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams being up, Tyler Irvin being up. Who's going to join A.J. Dillon in the backfield? And the name that we looked, we found, and I'm pretty sure he was released, so it won't count against the comp formula, is Jarek McKinnon, former Viking, former 49er. He's battled some injury issues the past couple of years, but when he was on in, in Minnesota, he was re- he was really solid and got that big deal in San Francisco. For a change of pace guy to bounce off of AJ Dillon, I really like the value that Jarrett McKinnon could probably possibly bring this team. Yeah, McKinnon is a guy that I thought that I liked when he was in Minnesota, and I kept waiting for him to have his uh, his breakout more or less in San Francisco and he just couldn't stay healthy long enough to make it happen. But this year when he was finally healthy and on the field, he was the lead guy. He had, he had a couple of good games, uh, and performed well. He scored when, so when he scored in September, that was the first time he had scored in nearly 1000 days just because he had consistently been injured forever. Uh, he, and I don't know that he was actually released cause he just had a one year deal, uh, for, so he, so he would count against the comp formula, I believe. Um, but he is, he's a guy that I think would compliment Dylan really well. And since he wouldn't, he wouldn't be required to be the, he wouldn't be required to be the main guy because AJ, that would be AJ Dylan's role, but he brings a good amount of receiving ability to the roster and to the backfield. And he brings a veteranship that the Packers backfield is going to lose, obviously with, uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams likely heading elsewhere this offseason. Without a doubt. And, j- and just one last thing for Jerry McKinnon, looking at his receiving numbers the last three years, 
Last reasons that he played. 33 catches in 2020, 51 in 2017, 43 in 2016, five total touchdowns at the time as well. That's a third down back, and that's that's a guy they need to bring in. They need that extra threat in space. And McKinnon's always known as been that home run guy. So, yeah, I think that's a bargain guy to bring in, much like the Tyler Irvin move, just better. And so there's the our first name for you guys is Jared McKinnon. So keep an eye on him, see where he ends up. Hope the Green Bay should have to kick the tires on him. The position everyone talks about wide receiver is next, and there's not a lot of bargain receivers out there this year. There's really not. The one that came up was Trent Taylor, former 49er. Uh, Taylor kind of fell out of favor with the Niners, uh, more of a slot guy. Gage, what do you see in him? What do you think he could bring if Green Bay were to look at him? I think he brings you that. Uh, slot slot receiver type like I assume MVS and Lazard are both coming back Devontae Adams is obviously Devontae Adams and he's likely getting an extension this offseason so with Trent Taylor he brings you an aspect of the offense you don't have he can play out of the slot and really uh, kind of be that guy that generates a little bit of separation on underneath routes when he gets mismatched on a linebacker and and that type kind of gives you a bailout type of guy um, when Devontae's covered so instead of having your you got two guys going deep in Lazard and MVS, and you got Devontae doing his thing. Uh, Trent Taylor gives you another guy that's working kind of underneath and can generate separation in that way, which makes uh, your offense run a lot better. Looking through the wide receiver free agent class, there's a lot of big names. Uh, obviously, the top three are Robinson, Godwin, and Kenny Galladay. Green Bay is not going to be in on any of those, no matter how bad everybody would like them to. So you have to start looking down the board a little bit, and – when you go down the board of free agents at wide receiver, there's not a ton of great names, so you're just more or less picking, okay, what's something we don't have? And this is something Mike and I talked about when we were picking through these free agents was, do we want to go with this guy, this guy? No, that really brings something we already have, something we already have. So Trent Taylor brings an aspect to of the offense that we don't really have right now. So that's what kind of why we ended up agreeing on that, uh, on Taylor as a possible wide receiver target. Plus, he's going to be super cheap because – he has fallen out of favor in San Francisco. They're not going to use him clearly. Uh, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are the guys. Kendrick Bourne's probably going to go back there. Jalen Hurd is another guy that I know they like and want to get and hopefully want to get on the field next year. So Taylor's probably going to come dirt cheap, and that's something Green Bay needs because they don't have a, money as it, a lot of money as it is. Exactly, exactly. And that's the whole point of this exercise is guys who are going to be affordable, guys who are going to come in for – Veteran minimum, a million, maybe one five. Just not not going to break the bank, that guys who can bring value to this team. It's the Packer way. It's the Patriot way. It's a lot, a lot of teams have built their depth. And McKinnon and Taylor going back to also Matt LaFleur's type of style as well in offense. It's the Shanahan system. So that, that, that also has the ties in there. Next up, we go to the offensive line. We There were definitely not a lot with tackles. So we go to the interior and... We'll bring back an old friend. Let's talk about Justin McCray. I know he had his struggles, but as a guy who came in as a depth piece, if you use him as a depth piece, as a backup center, as a backup guard, I think there's value in bringing him back. Yeah, I think when you so when you first suggested McCray, I was like, really, I don't, I don't want that because I wasn't a huge, I wasn't a huge fan of McCray when he was in. Green Bay, and obviously he's being brought back as a death piece. He's not being brought back as a starter because Mike and I both assume Lane Taylor is going to be brought back, and he's a possible starter, Lucas Patrick as well. So Green Bay's kind of got that figured out. But McCray, I agree, as a death piece because he's a veteran. He's been around the league for a while. He knows what he's doing. He's a familiar face in Green Bay. 
And if you're like, it, he's only a problem if you're asking him to start. If you're saying, hey, we need you to come in, be our day one starter, be our lockdown guard, then you might have an issue. But if he's just going out and he's just playing for you, you could definitely do a lot worse, especially in this free agent class. So, yeah, McGray, not my favorite option, but you could definitely do a lot worse uh, in this free agent class or trying to rely on a rookie in the draft. Absolutely. Plus, you bring him in. He's a guy who can work with guys like Simon, Simon Stepaniak, John Runyon, help them develop a little bit, be that veteran mentor. And Lane Taylor, we said, could do the same thing again. We'll talk about those guys on a different day, of, of guys who were on the roster last year to bring in. Another offensive lineman uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a lot to choose from his guards. They had four of them coming up. Stefan Wisniewski. And this one was a tough one because we were we, we basically looked at the Chiefs guys and there was Coach Semele, Mike Remmers, Stefan Wisniewski. I think we think that Semele will probably come back after his injury. Remmers might get brought back. Wisniewski though is kind of, we kind of fell in the depth chart when when with uh, Duverde Tardif coming back this next season. Ideally, the Chiefs are gonna have to let one of them go. And Wisniewski, another depth piece. You don't, you don't want him to start. But again, right now the Packers are looking for depth. Guys who can come in, stabilize if something were to happen, and not have to rely on young guys who, are, who aren't, might not be quite ready yet to step into a lineup. Yep, and that is the, like you said, we were just kind of looking down the depth chart, and we were like, Kalecho Semele, maybe, Wisniewski, Andrew Wiley, and we were just kind of trying to find a guy. And Wisniewski is, in my opinion, I think he's going to be the guy that gets left out of the ones that get brought back. Mike and I both kind of agreed that Osemele would go back to Kansas City next year, either as a starter or as a death piece. And if that's the case, then they're probably going to bring back Wiley, who's a restricted free agent, and then they don't have a ton of money to go around, so they have to try and figure out who's who they really need to keep. And if Laurent Duverday-Tardif comes back from Canada next year, which we all kind of assume is going to happen, Wisniewski is the odd man out. He's just it makes sense to have him be the other guy and he would more he would fit in great in Green Bay. And he's a guy that if you are unable to get um, Lane Taylor to come back and you're not convinced either one of the younger guys on the roster should start. You could definitely do a lot worse than Wisniewski. And even if you bring him in as a depth piece, that works, too. I'm sure that he would be more than happy to come to Green Bay and either start or be a back up and have a chance of winning a ring uh, here before his uh, career winds up. So he's been a st- he's been a strong player for a long time in this league, and he's definitely going to end up somewhere. So he might as well end up in Green Bay where he's got a chance to uh, play with arguably the best quarterback uh, that has ever played the game. You're absolutely right. And, and again, the offensive free agency bliss isn't great for bargain guys. A lot of big names like we've talked about, but not a lot of, of those solid bargain type players Defense, though, could be where it's at, and that's a great spot for Joe Barry and company to start filling out this roster with guys on that side of the ball. And if you want to use the Vic Fangio-type defense like we've heard, there's a couple guys who played under Fangio that we can bring up. But we'll start on the defensive line, and this is another old friend. There was talk about maybe trying to get him back in last year, and he played really well, and that's Mike Pennell. I mean, he'll be a run stopper, he'll be a two-down player, but... Ever, ever since he got let go by Green Bay, he has really found found his way, and he is play, he played really well for the Chiefs the past couple of years. Yeah, he has. He is uh, he's another former Packer that has gone away and found his footing in the league, and that's great for him. Uh, I'm happy to see that, and I think that Green Bay bringing him back would be a great move because he's a bigger guy, so he can play more of that like traditional nose slash inside role, 
and that allows Kenny to move up and down the defensive line a little more. And it also makes defensive line a lot less, lot less of a priority in this draft, which is important because this draft does not have a, top, a ton of top end talent at the defensive line position. There are they, there's some quality pieces there, but it's not like the the years where we've had Quinn and Williams and the Ed Olivers and uh, the Aaron Donalds. It's not that type of draft. This is a draft where you're going to be looking for depth guys on days two and th- on days two and three more than you're going to be looking at guys in on day one. I think at least one interior defensive lineman is going to go on day one. But if you gave me the over-under at one and a half, I might take the under there just based on how this class is. So Pennell really comes in, gives you a veteran guy that has been around the league for a while. He knows what he's doing. He he played in Green Bay before, and he just couldn't quite get his footing. He's got that under him now. And now you can come back and really solidify this defensive line, which has been Kenny Clark and a cast of characters for the last couple of years, and it could really help boost uh, the defense as a whole. And he's, and especially his main trait is he's a run stuffer, and we all know that Green Bay needs that uh, more than they need just about anything else on the defensive side of the ball. For sure. And then, again, talking about uh, former Vic Fangio players, talk about a guy on the edge who basically followed Vic Fangio to multiple stops, and that's Aaron Lynch. Uh, Lynch, college defensive lineman, moved outside with the Niners and then the Bears always seemed to be that guy who you thought was going to break out, thought was going to be the next double-digit sack guy, and never really quite panned out as that, but he's a good rotational and played with the Jaguars last year. I remember in San Francisco, I was really impressed with this play. I liked him at Notre Dame. And they're looking for a number three or number four edge right now because we don't know what's going to happen with Preston Smith yet at the time of recording this. we got They got Smith and Gary. You got Ramsey coming back. You got Spider Garvin. You have some of those guys, but getting that veteran edge that can really help out, I think Aaron Lynch could be a really good fit there for pretty cheap for a guy who is kind of bounced around the past couple of years. Yeah, you could definitely do a lot worse. He's another one of those guys that I think is just he's been in the league for a long time. He's a consummate pro. I've never heard anything uh, like I've never heard anything bad about him. Um, he was. They kind of wanted to keep him in Chicago, but they just couldn't really afford to do so. So he went down to Jacksonville, where he didn't have the best year, but it's Jacksonville. Nobody had a good year last year, as evidenced by the fact that they went 1-15. And he, uh, when, he was in, um, when he was in Chicago, the main thing that he brought to their roster was, um, was run-stopping. Like he, he was great at setting the edge, and everyone was like, oh, well, they got Khalil Mack. Yeah, you got Khalil Mack, but... Uh, Aaron Lynch was your that was your run stuffing guy right there. That was his that was where he made his hey that was where he had his bre- bread and butter set at because of how talented he was at getting the edge. He's a bigger guy and he knows how to get out, set it, and forget it. And if you ask him to be the backup behind Rashawn Gary and behind Zedarius, he can excel in that role. Granted, the one thing you might have to worry about with Lynch is whether or not he wants to take on kind of that backup role now in Green Bay. Uh, I think that he will just based on where he's at in his career. But I think that with this edge class, it's not a particularly strong one. Like there's a couple of guys, big names at the top. But the if you're looking for discount guys, Lynch is one of the better ones. It's going to be just a safe type of player. Like you're not going to. It's not like taking a shot on a Tack McKinley, who's a guy that we talked about a little bit, who Tack is a guy that I know Green Bay fans have clamored for. They were mad we didn't get him in the draft, and then we were, they were mad that you didn't get him when he was a tra- when he was a trade candidate or release candidate, whatever. 
But Tack is a like nuclear type of player where he can have a really big day or he can have a really bad day. Aaron Lynch is a pretty steady, steady Eddie type of guy. And when you're trying to go and get these discount free agents, that's you're looking for either guys that you know are going to perform if needed or you're looking for a guy that it can hit you that moonshot. And I think it's smart with Lynch to try and take the, the safe approach with the guys that he has in front of him. Yeah, and for sure. You want you, you want your third edge to be that steady guy. Zarius and Gary can be home run hitters, and they're going to be really good. But you want that, that safety net, and I think Lynch can bring that. And, and again, we're going kind of quickly. We're just going to get some names out there. It's a lot of offseason left. We'll probably do this again in a couple months when we get closer to the draft, talk about some of these guys that... Maybe that got cut from other teams going forward. But moving into the center of the defense, back to linebacker, they need a coverage guy. Uh, Chris Barnes and Kamal are, are talented, but they're kind of downhill guys. They're going to be definitely trying to fill gaps. And Devondre Campbell getting his contract voided by the Cardinals. He got paid a couple years ago after leaving Atlanta. If he's willing to come in on a, a cheap deal... That could be a coverage linebacker that they haven't had in a long time. He would be what you wanted Oren Burks to be. He's what you wanted Josh Jones to be. He's what you wanted Raven Green to be, but Raven Green can't stay healthy. C- Campbell is a, is a great athlete. He's a converted safety, obviously, and he can bring you that coverage, that coverage guy that you're not going to get from either one of Kamal and Chris Barnes. Kamal and Chris Barnes are... Fine, and they're more, th- but they're more thumper guys than Campbell is. Campbell is going to fly around the field. He's going to be that guy you bring in on third downs, like, hey, we need you to go cover somebody and have confidence in it. When, because normally what happens when a linebacker gets shifted onto a slot safety, you're like, that's not good. That's that's a mismatch waiting to happen. Versus Campbell, while he's not he's not a corner, but he's got decent, co- he's got more than good enough coverage ability to stick with a lot of guys in the slot. So that's why Campbell, I think, is a I think he's a high upside guy, in, and this is the guy, like, for the Aaron Lynch you take, who's the safe guy, Campbell's the guy that gives you a high ceiling because he can come on the field and be a coverage eliminator type of player. And and plus, my, my thinking behind when we were talking about these guys was he just got done getting cut from Arizona. He was in he was in Atlanta, and they didn't want to pay him. Now he's going, and he's like, you know what, I'm getting older. Let me go try and win a ring and try and prove some people wrong for letting me go the first time. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you're right. He is definitely a better corner than Preston Smith would have been. But w- with Campbell, I think, yeah, he he may be a little more expensive than anyone else on this list because of what he brings to the table and what he's, his past has shown. But he's a guy, again, another maybe buy low. If, he, if he's out there in March, if he's out there in early April, a guy to look at. Moving on to the secondary, this is where the Packers may be making the most moves to try and bring some guys in. We'll start at the safety spot, and special teams is a key part of this. All, all these guys, I think we they need to play special teams, and the first one is Sherrick McManus. Uh, so, Gage, this is the name you, you're the one who found it. Uh, talk about McManus and what he will bring. McManus just brings a little bit of everything. Uh, I, we were ta- trying to find guys that could maybe play special teams, and McManus is one of them that uh can he can do that he has been around the league for a long time he uh, he played he was obviously in chicago and they and he was the guy that they had to replace uh who was it bryce callahan and he was the and when bryce callahan went down with an injury he can play some quarter for you he can play safety he is a multiple type guy he he just he makes the right plays more often than not that's that's my main thing is like when i 
I know a lot of people prefer the high upside guys. That's why everyone wants you to take the the high volatility type player. And that's not me. I'm not. I've never been that type of guy. I prefer to build rosters with safe with safe production that I know when I put a guy on the field, I know he's going to make the right play. And McManus is that type of guy. Because and but I, my main thing is just that he can do multiple things for you. He can play special teams. He's been an ace there. He's been a captain for the Bears special teams. Uh, like for the Bears special team since he got there, he's been there since 2012. So he's a little bit long in the tooth, but he won't turn 34 until December. So that's okay. So I'm okay with that. So he's a long. So he's the he's been with Chicago longer than any other player. He's been there since Lovey Smith. So that just tells you how long he's been there. He's a special teams guy. He can play slot corner in a pinch. He can also play safety. So you get a guy that can play three different spots for you and can do a lot of different things for you for a really cheap price. I think that's a really good move in that, in my opinion. For sure, and you talk about bringing in safe players rather than those kind of volatile type plays, and that's why I'm saying I want more Adrian Amos type guys on this team, guys who are going to do their job, not make mistakes. That's been the issue with the team's breakdowns and plus is it's been mistakes at the worst possible times. So you want those safe guys, and McManus is one of those guys. Another one potentially talking about slot corners is Nickel Roby Coleman. And, of course, Coleman, the centerpiece of one of the most controversial playoff plays in recent memory. Not the biggest guy, but a very, very solid slot corner. Played good with Buffalo, good with the Rams. Here's another guy where if they want to look at maybe giving some some competition for Tannen Sullivan, a guy to bring in, even though he's pretty small, Roby Coleman, he can play some football. Yeah, Roby Coleman's the classic, he plays bigger than he is type. Like, he's listed, I think, he, did you say 5'7 is what he's listed at? So he's he's not the biggest guy around, but who cares? If the guy can play ball, he can play ball. And he's not going to be an outside corner, which I know that that's kind of an issue because that's kind of what Green Bay needs, especially if they, like, so Chan, they have Chan and Sullivan who played slot for them last year, although Chan might be gone this offseason. It's not 100% clear right now. We'll know more, obviously, later on. But Coleman is a has been a great slot corner, and the only time he's really struggled in the NFL is when he's been forced to play outside. So if you bring him in to be your slot corner, he can do that for you, which can then – so if you bring in a guy like him as well as Sherrick McManus, you now have multiple guys in your secondary that can play and cover multiple positions. And I think that this – I think this Green Bay defense doesn't need a lot, especially in the secondary. They just need a couple of solid guys. Roby Coleman can be – everyone wanted Tremont Williams brought back. I understand that. But Roby Coleman's a lot younger, and he can bring a lot of the same things that Tremont can while being younger in the – like younger. And he's still just as much of a veteran. He has just as, just as much experience playing. He's played in big games. He's played – on winning teams, he knows what it's like to win. He's, I mean, other than playing in Philly, he's played for Buffalo and L.A. He played in L.A. the year they went to the Super Bowl. He played for Buffalo when they finally started winning. He knows how to – he's a winner. He's been around winning franchises before, and he can continue to help develop Jair Alexander as a young corner and any other young corner that they might bring in the building. Absolutely, and this is a name that we, we've been talking about for a long time, even before we cited the topic for today's podcast, was – was a guy like Roby Coleman. Last one, last player we're going to bring up is another corner. This one's a little bit more of a reclamation project, and that's Fabian Moreau, uh, playing for the Washington football team, 27, six foot 206. I remember coming out of UCLA, he came in with a little bit of some hype, and he got played quite a bit, it seemed like, as a rookie, and he seemed to play pretty well, physical corner. 
but he really kind of slid down the depth chart the past couple of seasons. Only played 15% of the snaps last year. Played 41% of the special team snaps for Washington. Still had a couple of interceptions. A guy where if you bring him in, he could be a prime candidate for a bounce back year at only 27. And he, he to me, is like the ultimate lottery ticket type guy to bring in for a younger guy. Came in with a pretty high draft pedigree, a third-round pick. And if I remember anything right when he was in Washington, he was also a pretty sure tackler. Yeah, he's a he's a sure tackler, and also he can play outside. So, okay, fine. You don't want uh, Roby Coleman because you bring back Shannon Sullivan, but you need a guy that can play outside. Fabian Moreau can do that for you. And just, I'm going to list off, so I'm on Mock Draftable. If you guys don't know what Mock Draftable is, it's really cool. It, uh, really, it aggregates like a uh, guy's measurements and their and, uh, t- testing times and stuff and puts it all in one spot and can compare them to other guys. Here's some of uh, his top comparisons. Marshawn Lattimore, Jamel Dean, who for all of his faults just won a Super Bowl. Akeem Tlaib, uh, C.J. Henderson, uh, A.J. Terrell, uh, Prince of Mukamara, just a bunch of first-round corners that went uh, – Will Blackman, former Packer. He is a super athletic guy. He ran in the 92nd percentile in the 40. He was in the 98th percentile in the in the broad jump. He's a super – he's a big athlete. His, his whole thing has just been health. That's – that's the only that's the only thing that has ever held him back is just he's not always been the most healthy player. And but when he's on the field, he can make plays for you and it gives you. And like you said, it's a reclamation project. He'll turn 27 in April and he's only ever been in Washington. And he so he doesn't necessarily know what winning is. He's been on a bad team forever. He just got to go to the playoffs for the first time in his career. But he can finally Go, he could finally go play in Green Bay and really be a solid, bigger corner opposite of Jair. He's six foot, two oh four, so you're still getting that size and physicality that you were that you're losing in Kevin King, who is likely gone in this offseason. And you're gonna get a guy that has been around he's been around the league for a little while, so he's got he he's not gonna be just shock and awe when he like runs into something new. He's not a rookie that everyone knows. Rookies take corners te- generally take a little bit of time. They don't all come into the league and just crush it right away. So that's why you go and you get a guy like Fabian Rowe, who is probably going to come dirt cheap in a corner market. That's not the strongest. You're going to, you can do a lot worse than a guy like Fabian Moreau. For sure. And Moreau's to me is the most interesting player on this list, at least for me. I mean, you look at his time, he, played 73% of the special team snaps as a rookie in 2017. 2018, 81% of the defensive snaps had interception and three forced fumbles. Then his snaps dropped in 2019. He missed four games with injury. And last year, with a new coaching staff, only getting only 15% of the snaps on defense, 41 on special teams, only had seven total tackles. But among those 15% of the snaps, he had two interceptions. That's, That's a playmaker. It's a guy who... You get him out of Washington, where he very clearly was not in Ron Rivera's plans on that defense. Let him play outside. Let him play opposite Jair. And he's a guy who could put up surprising numbers. Yeah, he had uh, one. So he played 16, 16, 12, 16 games. So I think his main issue is like he had injuries in college, but he's I mean, he stayed healthy in the NFL level. Uh, He's just never been a full time starter. He was zero ten seven one. He's just like he's never been the full time starter there, and it's clear that he needs to change his scenery. And it's clear that Washington's going to let him go. Washington's not going to fight to keep him. And so Green Bay and 
his market probably won't be that great because there are some decent corners in this class. So I think there will be a lot of teams that say, you know what, we don't necessarily need a guy that's going to turn 27 this year. Let's go and draft a rookie and try and see what that can do for us. So for a team like Green Bay that's not a corner away, but they're pretty close to a corner away, Fabian Moreau is a pretty good option to really kind of solidify the back end of this defense. For sure. And so there's 10 names to look at that should come at a pretty good discount. Again, Jarrett McKinnon, Trent Taylor, Justin McRae, Stefan Wisniewski, Mike Pinnell, Aaron Lynch, Devondre Campbell, Sherrick McManus, Nikel Roby Coleman, and Fabian Moreau. Keep an eye on those names. I know we will. We'll, we'll see where they end up, and maybe we can revisit this later on toward training camp and see where they ended up. That could be a good little follow-up episode later on. And, of course, shorter, a little bit of a shorter episode today, at least compared to what we've been recording over the past year. But a lot to think about this offseason, a lot of offseason left. We'll be doing more draft stuff, I'm guessing, going forward a little bit, more free agency stuff later on as well. So, Gage, before we sign off tonight, where can people find you and what are you working on? You can find me on Twitter, at GBridge for NFL, as always. Uh, currently still doing draft profiles for Dynasty Nerds, doing some other work for uh, Rotoballer, Denver Nuggets stuff for Denver Stiffs. Um, doing a little bit of draft stuff uh, actually for Cheesehead TV. I'm going to start, I'm going to work on some draft profiles for them this year uh, just to kind of help, to kind of help them out and in turn also help myself out. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. I don't have any specific thing that I could say, Oh, this is what you guys can have to look forward to. But all of my content that I do put out, I put out on my Twitter uh, and I generally try and put out a little bit every single day. So that way you guys can always have something to look at and make fun of me for. So that's all I got going on. And on social media, find me at Mike Wendland, all one word. Again, also my DMs are always open, so if you ever want to talk, I'll always be be willing to engage, and I can I'll almost always respond to comments and DMs and everything like that. So let us know. Also find us at Twitter on at Packet A Podcast. Find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Check out Andy's work on our YouTube channel. He's done a great job with that as well, breaking down a lot of big time Packer information going forward. And, of course, stay tuned every single day for the, a new edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. We haven't missed a day yet, and we don't plan on any time soon. So for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wendland saying so long, everyone. Stay warm, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack Go!